You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Bienvenidos. Yo soy Roberto. He's Kyle Jacobson. <laughs> I, I need to learn Spanish, man. If we're going to be in Mexico, if we're going to games in Mexico, if we're going to do all that, I got to learn Spanish. I started Duolingo yesterday before I even knew the news. So we'll brush up on the Spanish. I know uh, some Nosotros. Words. Nosotros. We're going to. Yeah. Nosotros. Vamanos, baby. Let's go. Sabes que puedo hablar español. I did not know you knew uh, Spanish so well. Si. Sí. Is that because you grew up in Austin, or <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just like to throw those digs every once in a while. We're live. Si no sabes, ahora sabes. That means if you don't know, now you know. We're in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. If you need to gear up for anything Texas Tech related, like a half a header, double double twice one and a half header, coming up in Texas Tech baseball world. Or if you want to gear up for the Lady Raiders, they got another recruit. They're going to be good. The Lady Raiders are going to be good. Uh, they lose a couple of big pieces, but they are – I'm really excited about the Lady Raiders. If you need to gear up for the Lady Raider games next year, do it at Cardinal Sports Center. You can do it live, in person, right outside the loop on Slide Road or online at mycardinalsports.com. Also, look for some new merch coming along. Gambling Gauchos merch. We're excited about it. Gaucho's merch, they just dropped what looked like a few different styles of old school double T hats. From the vault. The vault. So yeah, they got a lot of good stuff going on. And if, you know, off season, you know, we're pretty much in the off season. We got baseball, but uh, maybe people need some Texas Tech retail therapy to hold them over. And so when you're shopping all summer, do it at Cardinals. We're also here live on the... Republic of Football podcast feed. Always want to give them the shout out as well. Uh, the first comment here, well, the first comment is hat game on point, Kyle. Gracias. They love the hats. And the second one is which day of the week will the all Spanish pod take place on? I'll say this. Pues. Sábado, domingo, miércoles, Monday, lunes. Tuesday, Sunday, Luna, Domingo, Sunday. See, si. I'll, bien, I'll, Roberto, bien. I'll work on my Spanish. If Texas Tech plays in Mexico, we're in. Si jugamos en Mexico, estamos in. I actually like it better that you're just translating. <laughs> I, I don't know. Give some challenges there. Once you start changing like tenses, yeah. Say, I like that you're translating. We're going like present participle and stuff there, and that's yeah. where I, it gets a little bit shaky. So, did you just take Spanish in high school and you just remember it, or was that a college thing, or did you? I have took some Spanish. Family? Well, yeah, I took Spanish in middle school. Oh, you started early. High school, and then I think I had to do one semester. No, dos semesteros in universidad. I mean, I did too, but I didn't learn anything. I was not so a good know, student, Kyle. You want to know a funny story? Getting to know the gauchos. I would love a funny story. I always like your funny stories, Kyle. Uh, how do you say getting to know? Conociendo los gauchos. So my Spanish two teacher, freshman year of high school, was a native-born, native speaker. Oh, yeah. Was a great teacher, obviously, because she's fluent. My Spanish three teacher es gringa y no conoce español like Profesora Kemp in Spanish two. 
So that was kind of a, an interesting dichotomy. You you go to the next level and your teacher is not nearly as good at Spanish as your uh, teacher from the semester before. But anyway, when I get to Spanish too, the first day of high school, they make you take a, a test just to see how much you know going in so they kind of know where to start and everything. I was the first person ever in Professora Kemp's class to get a 100. And this is like after summer break, no studying, I'm going in cold. And she goes, no way. Cause it like, we, we, it was one of those deals you fill it out and you pass it to the person next to you and they grade your, she was like, there's no way. But she double checked it. And I even got, you remember Vosotros? Uh, that sounds familiar. So Vosotros is a noun, I guess, only used in Spain. All the other Spanish speaking countries don't really use it. Yeah. And so they didn't teach it to us in middle school. They were like, yeah, you don't really need to know vosotros. So we're going to skip it. But when we're like conjugating all of these verbs, I even knew vosotros. And so you weren't even supposed to fill that part in, but I did anyway. And I got those right. That's how good I was at Spanish back in the day. Uh, we've known each other for what? Two, uh, one and a half, two, two years, two full years now. We've been doing this stuff. I don't think you've ever dropped a Spanish line. You just don't like to show it off or what? I, I don't – well, I'm not any good at it anymore. It's been a long time. I, I would – I'm surprised that you say that, Kyle. You sound pretty good. So I always had good – I had good dialect for a, for a non-native speaker. I was complimented by my, by my gringa profesora on my pronunciation. And I was friends with all the – so there was like – I had three friends in Spanish 3. All three of them were native-born Spanish speakers. <laughs> So, like, I wasn't friends with them for this reason, but they were really good at Spanish. And so when we had to do, like, projects and stuff, it, it worked out well. Um, but my my American professor thought that I had – that she thought that I sounded like a native speaker, which I took as a compliment. But I was also like, you don't really – you're not a native speaker. So that compliment coming from you is a little bit diminished. The only Spanish phrase I knew for a long time was the cheese is old and moldy. Do you, can you recall Cito it Man. right now? Uh, el queso es... Mm, no. No, I can't. It's been a long time. Mm, mm, no, I can't. We also got into uh, some Spanish music. I want to look that up, though. In in Spanish 3? Eres tú. Eres tú. Eres tú. <laughs> um, no, we learned about, like, Victor Jara. A Chilean musician. He was a anti. Uh, was it was it Pinochet or anyway they they killed him for being um, subversivo, subversive to the government. Wow! But they she taught us some of his music, and I actually really liked it. And he has a song called "Cigarrito," which is really good. It's kind of like a working man's blues. Yeah, song about the tobacco farmer. There was one song called "Me Voy Pal Pueblo," <laughs> translated to "I'm going to town. Today is my day. I'm gonna, you know, wash all the worries away." That kind of was like, I like this vibe. It was like a Jimmy Buffett song. Okay, so es viejo y mojosa. <laughs> viejo y mojosa. Have you seen Encino Man? No. You got to watch it. That's a classic, man. Pauly Shore, Brendan Fraser, Sean Astin. I've got to cop to something real quick, Rob. Okay. For the first time today, I really started diving into some of the other podcasts on the Republic of Football Network. Thank I've been meaning to, but thank you, you know, audio books, all this stuff. So anyway, I, I listened to a couple for the first time today, and uh, I need to listen more. I wonder how many people are trying to listen to us for the first time right now. And they're like, we're nine minutes in, and all these guys are doing talking about Spanish class in high school. Like, are they going to talk about sports at all? Or, And that that's on me. I'm just observing here. That's true. Uh, comment, today. Rob. Rob S. El Guapo Gaucho. So thank you. I appreciate that. It would be Gaucho Guapo because in Spanish, the adjective – succeeds the that's a handsome right. is this a football pod or a football pod <laughs> football norte americano hey we got uh football coming up may 13th if you're in lubbock 
I just remembered on the pod one time, and I only remember this because it was posted on No Context GG. I said baloncesto, which is basketball. So you knew I at least knew one word in Spanish. I did not remember that. All right. Let's just stay on the Spanish train. Uh, Brett Yormark kicking it around that Kansas and Houston might play in Mexico in 2024 with more games to come, and that is in football, I believe. Or is that in basketball? That's basketball, but That's I a think basketball the plan one. is also to have football games. But also have football games in Mexico City. Um, I, for one, love it. If, if you can work it out to where two, at least two games are not in America or somewhere, and you kind of can hide. Oh, that, that's me. That's me. You looked at me like that was me, didn't you? I so I'm on <laughs> Senora Gaucho's laptop. Oh, which is synced to her phone, so if she gets a call on her phone, it was that's okay. That's probably her. Probably your boyfriend or something. Yeah, well, your wife's boyfriend's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, if you can kind of hide the losing a home game aspect of it, if it's a if you can if you can hide two road games or do it early in the season or or something, do it far enough out where a team can have three non conference games at home, and you kind of lose a conference home game, whatever it is. If you can hide the scheduling in that way, I'm all in. Yeah, on the home game deal, I, I assume that you're going to play a nine-game conference schedule in 2024 and beyond when this is all settled. And so, obviously, some years you're going to have five home games, four away, and then the opposite is true other years. And so, certainly in a year where you only have four conference home games, you don't want to play one of those in Mexico. But on the other years – if you have that quote unquote extra home game, it'd be four home, four away, one neutral. And then you were, I guess COVID kind of screwed this up a little bit, but you were in a cadence there for a while of playing a power five team in Lubbock and then a power five team on the road. And um, not always the same team back to back years. You did that with Arizona state in 2015, 2016. But so in a year where you have like Oregon at home in the non-con and then let's say four big 12 home games, I'd be fine with playing one in Mexico. Like, if you, as long as you still get your six home games, two non-con, four conference, and then one in Mexico, it's not going to be an every year thing. You know, it's not. It's not even the, the deal. Like, every team is going to have to play there every year. So, if you go to Mexico once every five years, just to maintain some kind of presence, and it's in a year where you have Oregon or NC State or whoever coming to Lubbock, I think you can live with that. Yeah, especially if it's Oregon, NC State, Mississippi State, you have them on the schedule if you don't play till 2028, which is feasible. Eight, 29, 30, one of those. I'm focused Tra- on Wyoming. Train Tay? Um, Train Tay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sound like a gringo, so. Dos mil y treinta. Maybe. Maybe that's not how you say years. I don't remember years very well either. Trenta, yeah. That's well, that's 30. I don't know if it's different in years than numbers, but uh I'm very excited about it. I think it's a good move. <clears throat> and I think Brett Yormark, um he's just he's doing things. Now I think there's some things he should be doing that he isn't doing yet, but I just kind of think you're getting through this season in a lot of respects. Um there's some some TV stuff and and you're on the old deal and there's not a lot of movement you can do but you know Tech getting one game on ESPNU against Baylor and everything else is on ESPN Plus or the Longhorn Network. I would like to try to get some more national games for for baseball. Um, but beyond that, I I like all the stuff he's doing. I like thinking about playing in Mexico. I like the other thing that came out this week on miking up coaches and getting involved in behind-the-scenes stuff and doing all-access shows like the NFL does. Yes, do it all. Well, That that also kind of points to the fact that they're going to do true Big 12 network stuff, whether it's on ESPN Plus or somewhere else. Let's finish Mexico first. I think that you and I both... I was thinking back to when Bowlesby announced his retirement and we were 
deliberating what we wanted in the next commissioner. And I think there's sort of two schools of thought. Like if you're going to go, what's the best way to phrase this? If you're going to go with a by the book candidate and hire the traditional kind of person who would be a conference commissioner, I wanted Kirby Hocutt. I think you wanted Kirby Hocutt. Um, that would be good for, you know, he has ties to Texas Tech, obviously, Kansas State, his alma mater, worked under Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma. Felt like that would have been a good guy to sort of steady the ship during a time of uncertainty. But opposite of that, we were like, well, if you're going to go outside the box, then do something really creative and try to zig while everybody else zags. I don't think we knew the name Brett Yormark until it was announced. No. But we're like, okay, like he he was with NASCAR. He was with the Barclays Center. He's with Rock Nation. Like this is very outside the box. This guy knows entertainment, whether it's sports, music, whatever, uh, just live events. And so th- this is what you hired him to do. Like you didn't hire him to do the, well, the student athlete experience, blah, blah. Like you hired him to shake things up a little bit. Yes. And not all of this is going to work. So if you go to Mexico over four years and eight teams play there in four games and it's like not really getting viewership or the logistics are horrible, then just call calf rope and you don't have to – it's not a 20-year agreement or a 100-year agreement. Right. Try it out. If it doesn't work, okay. It's, I think we said the same with the Rucker Park deal. But if it does help you get visibility in New York City or you're tapping into a growing market of – um, Hispanic Americans, or even people abroad that want to watch American football, maybe this is a brilliant move that 20 years from now we go, hey, remember when we were the very first collegiate conference to play in Mexico and how groundbreaking that was at the time? So I view it as kind of a low risk, high reward. If it works, excellent. If not, you quit doing this in three or four years and try something else. Viva El Matadores. <laughs> yeah, long live the Matador. <laughs> All right. Um, um, I would say, though, that this, of all the deals that your mark has kind of, uh, that have been publicized under his leadership, almost all of them, I think, were met with pretty unanimous approval. This was the first one that I recall there being a good deal of pushback for whatever reason, either saying we don't want to lose a home game, we think it's stupid to play overseas, whatever. Um, but it, here's this. Overseas, but... Uh, yeah, sorry, like internationally, yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess it depends on what route you take. You could maybe yeah. go into the Gulf, and then uh, they'll probably just fly, though, I would imagine. Um, so I was a little bit skeptical about this at first. I was kind of like, okay, this seems, this feels a little bit gimmicky. And, I, and I'm pretty pro-gimmick in sports, um, and, uh, as long as the dollars and cents pencil. Like, you, you can gripe about Jake Paul boxing, but – a lot of people buy that crap and it makes money. A and lot. so like you can only knock it so much. Um, so I, I was skeptical. And then I came across this tweet. This is from a gentleman named Garrett McClintock. Uh, he's a contributor at BYU's 24-7 site. He says that Texas Tech, Houston, and Central Florida are all Hispanic-serving institutions, which I think that's an actual threshold that either 20% or 25% of your students are – Hispanic or of Hispanic descent. And by the way, those are three in the new big 12. Those are three of probably the four largest universities by enrollment and also three of the fastest growing in the new big 12. So that's important. If you are going to expand out West into the PAC 12, Arizona, Arizona state, maybe San Diego state, if they're in the fold, those seem like pretty good fits as well that, might have a similar kind of student demographic to the other three schools. There are one and a half million Mormons in Mexico. And that's part of the big appeal to BYU, right? They're not only a national brand, they're an international brand because of their ties to the Mormon church. So he said, half the league has strong cultural ties, great opportunity for fan travel and potential alternate media deals. He says, bye, bye, bye. And so I was like, well, okay. Like when you break it down that way, um, especially if they sort of are targeted and who they send to Mexico. Now, like, okay, maybe Iowa State doesn't right. have as much appeal in Mexico. But, yeah, team that's mascot is the Matadors, that's campus is Spanish Renaissance architecture and 
all that. Like, I feel like there would be some appeal there for fans in Mexico that are getting to know the game of American football. And so, especially if they have relatives, friends, whoever, um, since your student population um, is of that demographic, at least 20 or 25%, whatever it takes to be a Hispanic serving institution, I think there's opportunity there. And this is maybe a, a bad comp, but the Pac 12 was convinced that they could like tap into some Asian markets because a lot of those West coast schools, um, same deal have enrollments that are, are tied to Asian descent. I don't think that's worked out for them. And so maybe this is destined for the same fate, but like I said, I just don't, I don't see why it's not at least worth a shot. Try it out for a few years. Um, other conferences have done similar things. You know, Nebraska played in Dublin, Ireland last year, week zero. That's the other thing. Sorry, circling back, one last point on this, on losing a home game. I think it's Wake Forest and North Carolina. They are conference brethren in the ACC, but they have agreed to play non-conference games against each other. So they're playing their nine-game ACC slate, then they play a tenth game against each other that doesn't count toward conference record. So if this is a week zero kickoff event in Mexico, you could add Big 12 inventory by having Texas Tech play, let's say, Arizona State if you expand. Week zero in Mexico, and it doesn't even count as a conference game. It's just a, a non-conference regular season game. That would get a ton of eyeballs, just oh, like yeah. Nebraska and Dublin would. So I, 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 now you and I, we were thinking small. We toss out that idea for Las Vegas, which I still think would be also a great fit. Your mark is clearly thinking – bigger picture than that <laughs> um so anyway I, I was skeptical at first and then i saw that about how some of the demographic tie-ins might kind of work in your favor and now i'm very open-minded to it do the big are the big 12 meetings always in scottsdale arizona i can't imagine that they are no do you think that was a sneaky play to maybe meet some guys at the marriott conference center hotel bar to maybe yes. talk a little clandestine meeting. Absolutely. I thought that was an interesting point. Here's the article I'm talking about. <clears throat> it's kind of a throwaway line. And we knew, uh, I I was going to mention this on the podcast regardless, but since it's in this kind of context, I'll read it here. This is from Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. The Big 12 Conference and its media partners are exploring avenues to modernize football broadcasts. CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd confirms. I guess this is not This is from Dean Straka. Sorry. Live in-game interviews, expanded locker room access, and coaches wearing microphones were concepts discussed during meetings between Big 12 football coaches and administrators during the spring meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona. I thought that was interesting. This is the same article that talks about the men's, women's basketball games and football games in Mexico as soon as 2024. Now, one last note on Mexico. I don't know if they'll play at, uh, what is it, uh, a stadium Azteca where they play the NFL games. That stadium is being renovated because they're hosting World Cup games there in 2026. So I don't know where these games will be played. Um, there are no NFL games in 2023 there because of the renovations. Uh, maybe they'll be able to host football games in 2024 as they kind of complete some renovations. Uh, maybe just the, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's parking lot or interior, exterior, whatever it is, but that'll be, that'll be really cool, especially if it's in that stadium. That's an iconic stadium and, and has some historic venues, but uh, on the other stuff, Love the mic'd up, love the locker room access, all of it. Give me Gerlich mic'd up, give me Bob Huggins mic'd up, give me all of the football coaches mic'd up, give me locker room access, give me uh, Texas Tech opponents in the barracks mic'd up, give me all of it. I, I want to see all of it this year and next and and moving forward. I see a comment here. I'm assuming they're talking about fans in Mexico. They'd love the band uniforms if the full band can be included somehow. Oh, yeah. First off, great opportunity for the going band. That's not a knock on Stillwater or Lawrence, but if your band gets to go to Mexico City or somewhere, that's awesome. And yeah, again, that part of your appeal as a university 
or your brand, your image, your identity is your kind of Hispanic heritage. It's the architecture, it's the mascot, it's everything. They would love to see a band with some gacha hats and they play all kinds of music. Like they do songs from movie soundtracks. They do 80s throwbacks. So I'm sure they could also find music that would be appealing to that audience and really put on a show. I think that'd be really cool for, for the fan perspective. Rahino Barbecue has the best barbecue in West Texas. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I had no segue, but I was like, we got to get to the ad read. Um, turkey, brisket, ribs, sausage, you name it, they've got it. But you got to get there early to get it. The lines are long. The barbecue gospel has spread across West Texas and beyond. RahinoBBQ.com. You can order ahead to make sure that your food is there when you arrive and give them a follow on social at RahinoBBQ. So, Rob, speaking of the skepticism to the Big 12 Mexico idea, this mic'd up, all-access stuff also got some pushback. We tweeted a, a line from the article that you just summarized, and I'm going to read a couple replies. Um, coaches wearing microphones, probably not a great idea. I think they're probably smart enough to not like have a live feed of coaches dropping F-bombs. Like, it'll yeah. be a... It's kind of like if you've ever watched the NBA, they go back and say, like, this is what Steve Kerr was telling his team during the timeout. Yes. That kind of thing. Um, let's see. What else we got? More is not always better. That's a platitude that is certainly true sometimes, but may not necessarily apply to this. Got some people likening it to the XFL, which is gimmicky. Um, stupid idea. Coaches and players are trying to concentrate on winning a contest. Oh, my God. Screw the media. Wait until after the game. This goes for all individual and team sports. Uh, two things. I I don't like the in-game interview. Interview them at halftime. They're going in, whatever. Fine. Everything else, do they not watch the NFL? Do people not watch the NFL? A lot of people ha don't. Have you heard of this little outfit called NFL Films, Kyle? They do all of that. They've done it for 50 years. Yeah. They and mic up players every week. The So a couple more. I feel the XFL and USFL do this already, and it doesn't add much value. I'm not against trying it and seeing how it works. But from what I've seen from other leagues, meh. Well, here's the deal. The XFL and USFL are already dwarfed by the NFL. Like That's why you don't see it gain traction. It's not because the idea is bad. And in fact, on the comparison of the XFL – this was part of the XFL's great legacy back in 2000 or whenever they did the original XFL. Yeah, the league ultimately folded, but the NFL adopted things like the sky cam and miking up players and things like that. Like they saw that and said, okay, there's some good ideas here. And they incorporated it into their broadcasts. Think of another thing, Rob. After every win this season, Texas Tech fans, like crack fiends, were waiting for the cinematic recap to drop the following Sunday or Monday. Imagine you've got your coach mic'd up, players mic'd up. It's that kind of content that everybody loves consuming that now you'll get for every team across the Big 12. Yes. The locker room, like we love Joey's locker room speech. Heck, it's, it's in our intro. Well, you only get access to that if somebody's recording it. And now you're going to get that between the lines during the 60 minutes the game is being played as well. Your TV footprint is not as large as the Big Ten and the SEC. It's just not. But the beautiful thing about our world is that you can share information other ways outside of the TV footprint. This is a great example from our friend John Kurtz, who covers Kansas State. He said, think of how many people who maybe don't follow Kansas State football or Big 12 football saw the Dallas Cowboys call Deuce Vaughn to let him know he was drafted, how viral that went. Yeah. Like, um, imagine a, a big hit, an amazing catch, and then the sideline reacts, the coach reacts. That clip can get millions of views on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, wherever, overnight from people who do not watch your product on TV. And so you have to take advantage of opportunities like this. And yeah, could it jump the shark? Theoretically. But I think we've seen enough programs like Texas Tech do this right with content like the cinematic recaps. That's sort of what I'm imagining this becoming and that could be a really, really good thing for your conference. And even if it is in-game, I seriously doubt it's going to be like the XFL where the mics are hot the entire game. That is cumbersome. But that is just not 
what I pictured when I heard this. Now, if that's what people are picturing, I, I guess that's that's a, a little bit of a trepidation, but I just don't think that's what this is. I think it's more of what you're saying, where you have post-game features, you have mic'd up features, you have content for the rest of the week that are keeping eyeballs on Big 12 football. And if you have a lovable head coach or a cantankerous head coach, one of the two, if you are, if you have one of those polar ends, you are going to have excitement after the game. Joey is going to have great lines. Uh, Gundy is going to have great lines. Absolutely. Uh, even if you do this in basketball, Bill Self, Bob Huggins in the game, they're going to have some zingers. Now, those guys are hilarious. Well, maybe not Bill Self, but <laughs> you're, you're going to have some content moving forward that's going to be really, really good. And I understand um, coaches use a certain vernacular and vocabulary. Uh, have you ever heard of a bleep button? Now, you're not going to use this live, but you know, you guys need to get out there and lick Like, that's NFL films, man. Yeah. They'll figure it out. Absolutely. Uh, another example that I that I'm kind of envisioning with this, and, and first off, let me say I do see the other side of this because I think in game interviews with coaches are very unproductive, right? Like he's in the zone, just like that one commenter said, he's trying to win a game, and so he gives you some coach speak cliche. It's not really interesting TV. Like it's cool that you have access to the coach, but you never get any insight from those. It's like yeah, we got to play harder. Okay, um, but so I'm thinking back to twenty. 2021, Texas went and played Arkansas in Fayetteville, and Arkansas beat them pretty handily. And it was a big, you know, they they viewed that as a big rivalry game. And yeah, it stormed the field, tear the goalpost down. Well, there was a video clip that I didn't watch that game, but there was a video clip that went viral on Twitter, and it was Arkansas's athletic director kind of like coming down from the box with two minutes left when they knew the game was in hand and. His wife like greets him in the tunnel, and you know she's going nuts, you know, congratulating him. And he had this one liner I thought it was funny. He goes, "I knew we were going to beat him. I didn't know we'd beat him that bad." Uh, and so stuff like that. I'm like, okay, that's that's badass. Like I'm cool. Yeah. That, I'm glad that I saw that moment. It's a cool moment. And then like you're, they've got cameras on the sidelines when they, you know, rush the field and everything. And so you think about that across six conference games every Saturday, the amount of content you could. Um, aggregate yes with all the coaches all the players all the fans like it could be something really cool in my opinion like think of the texas tech cinematic recap but times 12 and then i don't know if they're going to publish it in a 10 minute youtube video every week or if that gets an espn plus feature kind of like the brand it's a 30 minute episode every week it's more content that you can sell and you have to find ways to close that financial gap with the big two conferences and so i'm and again if this sucks drop it yeah. Just like, okay, the XFL folded, but the NFL took what they wanted from the XFL. They took what worked, and they dropped what didn't. And so if the in-game interviews with the coaches suck, drop it, and then keep the mic'd up stuff that's really good. Again, none of this is a 20-year commitment. You experiment, see what works, keep what you like, drop what you don't. The And I go back to the NFL films. The, the Wasp play from the Super Bowl, the 2020 Super Bowl, the Chiefs' first Super Bowl, or says, hey, do we have time to run this? And then you go through the whole play. Like stuff like that with the mic'd up it is just so, so cool. And the locker room access, the NCAA tournament does a really good job with this. There's cameras on all the time in, yeah. in locker rooms. That's a great and, example and from the have, Big 12. Kansas State basketball. Yes. They made that little baby song go to like the number one most downloaded on Spotify. Yeah, because of the clips of their team dancing that song in the locker room, or Old Town Road in 2019 when Tech was like those. That social media content is incredibly valuable. Or the the team that beat Purdue. What was it? Fairleigh Dickinson. Hey, the more we watch them, the more I think we can beat them. That's like yeah. two days before the game. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Now, I will say this: I think Texas Tech does a great job of producing that kind of content. The cinematic recaps, the the pushing it through, all of that stuff. I think Texas Tech is a, does a great job, but the Big Twelve has not done a good job. 
Yep. And even if they just produce what Texas Tech has been producing, or they just say, hey, Texas Tech people, you produce this at your games and we'll put it on our platforms. Maybe that's also something that happens. I don't know if they're having they're putting out Big 12 crews uh, or if it's just, hey, send us some footage and we'll use it kind of stuff. Yeah. And the downside to the cinematic recaps, Tech would only post them if, if they won. Right. So there's no cinematic recap for Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, right. the Big 12. They just want the content. They don't care who wins or loses. Um, and I would like but, to see more stuff in losses. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to lose much, um, but. So anyway, I, I think that we were, as fans of the Big 12, kind of fed up with just the stagnation you know this is a conference that didn't add byu and cincinnati back in 2014 never tried anything new never did anything notable and so maybe people don't like all of your mark's ideas and i really do sympathize with that but at least we're trying and that's what i like like that's what's encouraging to me is that we don't just have this defeatist attitude that oh well the big 10 and sec are up here and so why bother like no let's try to do something cool maybe it'll work maybe it won't but I'm just glad that we have a commissioner putting forth the effort to try innovative and new things. All right. You want to move to baseball or a little lady Raider recruiting? Oh, let's talk lady Raider recruiting. All right. So the lady Raiders get another recruit. I'm going to read you some new faces you'll have on the team next year. Uh, The number one Juco transfer in the class of 2022 did not play last year. Jojo Nuori. Uh, Jasmine Lewis, 6'4 center. Uh, Mago, 6'7 freshman. Now, she got hurt at the end of the last year, so she may not play this year, but still coming to campus. Jordan Merritt, transferring from Florida, 6'3 senior. Seven points, five rebounds a game, and assists a block and a steal per game as well. Former five-star recruit. Uh, UTEP transfer, 6'2 junior. 12 points per game for UTEP, five and a half rebounds, 80% free throw shooter, 2022-23 Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. And then you still have uh, Kyla Freelon, who's going to be a sophomore, 6'1", and then a 6'1", Kelly Mora, coming in as a freshman from Monterey. So, I mean, you have five legit players over six foot six six players over six foot when this roster gets more or less fully settled which is i guess never 100 percent the case in the portal era but once they kind of have all their spots full we need to do a crossover episode with our friends over at seeing scarlet part of the stake in the plains network and kind of dive into this because i know there's a lot of excitement uh, our friend ishmael johnson the uh, dctf college football editor is he does more than just college football, but um, he was raving about our backcourt. Now that we've added a couple people, you have Bailey Moppin coming back. Like you said, a lot of these people are over six feet tall. So there's so much excitement around this program. I wasn't even going to – this segue was not planned. But we just got done talking about social media content and how valuable that can be. The season itself in a vacuum wouldn't have really done a ton to generate momentum. You went to the NIT, you win a game in the NIT. That's great because that's your first postseason appearance in a decade. But if not for Krista Gerlich. You won two games in the NIT. Thank you, Rob. If not for Krista Gerlich's social media presence, engaging the fan base, getting them even more excited, I think that momentum sort of has a lower ceiling. And so, I I don't know. I think that's valuable stuff. That was part of my gripe with Adams, and I don't want to beat that horse to death even more but you know joey's engaging krista gerlich is engaging that's a good thing for a coach to be because your engagement with the fan base and the energy that creates the momentum that creates it all matters and so now you're seeing some wins on the recruiting trail and genuine excitement and expectations going into next season which i think is a great thing because you have not really been there as a program in a long time agreed And I think there is legitimate engagement for the Lady Raiders. And you got four or 5,000 people there for the two NIT games you hosted. You had a good showing against Arkansas. I I think you can have legitimate 5,000 a game, 6,000 a game attendance 
for the Lady Raiders next year, you might even creep up to 8,000 on some of these big home games. It'd be cool to get 10. I mean, that'd be amazing. Speaking of basketball games at the USA, um, the basketball tournament tickets on sale. Buy one, get one. I bought a ticket. Kyle, if you're in town, you can have the second. Um, but I will say this. You added uh, Davian Warren to the roster. I was trying to figure out some of the guys, you know, they they put out the initial post and it was kind of all shadows in the background, silhouettes. So I'm trying to figure out some more of the guys. Um, hopefully Norrence is involved. I think he was involved last year and then didn't get to play. Either he got hurt or had something going on the first weekend so he couldn't make the game and I guess he didn't play in the rest. Uh, we don't know a coach yet. I don't believe Luke Adams coached last year. I don't think he'll coach this year. Really? Yeah. What do you think? I think I was just getting used to saying Davion Harmon instead of Davion Warren. Yes. And now we're going back to Davion Warren, and I'm going to do my best. Although I think I'm going to give myself some credit here. When Zach Kitley was hired, I swore I was going to call him Wes Kitley at least 10 times. I think I've mostly avoided that. Yeah, you've done well. Anyway. Uh, the entire football staff is engaging, comment says, just from the conversation. A minute. Yeah, very true. I like when people do what they say they're going to do. And this was another like introductory press conference deal from Joey. He said, we will not have anybody on this staff who is not a relationship builder with other people. Like That wasn't just his MO, and it wasn't like, we're going to compliment my uh, positives with an X's and O's guy. He was like, no, I'm a relationship builder, and everybody on my staff is going to be a relationship builder. And that's clearly paying off on uh, on the recruiting trail and on social media, you can tell that they all jive really well with each other. And it's paying off in recruiting a crystal ball this week for Micah Hudson, the five-star wide receiver from on three. Um, I've heard some like recruiting guys talk about that sp- specific crystal ball. They say he's not one of the, the guy who gave the, it's not a crystal ball either. I, I don't know what they call it on on three, but they were uh, basically they were saying, "Hey, you know, hold on. Let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's crystal balls out there for Texas. There's predictions for Texas Tech. Um, I'm going to take that as probably sixty forty to Texas until it happens. Just because I've been hurt before in recruiting and uh, would like to get a commitment or an, even on campus before I genuinely buy in that five stars are coming under Joey McGuire, even though I fully expect it at some point." Because he'll be the first. Yeah. And I think that would be a kind of a dam-breaking moment in Texas Tech recruiting. I think if you get a five-star like him, he won't be the only one that will make other recruits go, hey, like, maybe I'll go play at Tech. And especially, I mean, you have to win to maintain that. But it takes one guy sort of crossing that line for others to look at him and be like, hey, maybe I can go get some NIL, get some professional development at Texas Tech, and I don't have to go to one of these – five or six, you know, prescribed schools to do that. Uh, We may see other recruits become five stars. Will Hammond is the first to come to mind. If Will Hammond was an Alabama commit or a Texas commit, he might bump up to five stars. And I'm not, uh, I'm not claiming the, the, there are errors in the integrity of these recruiting sites, but, um, Generally, you don't see a Texas Tech guy who's committed to Texas Tech get bumped up. You see him slip a bit. Now, Hammond was early, and Hammond has already bumped up. And he might see a couple of more bumps. If he throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and just has an insane season at the high school level and leads him to a state championship, you might absolutely see him bump up to be a five-star. That would be amazing. But... Generally, you don't see that kind of bump at a at a Texas Tech where they're already committed here. I lost all faith in that when Donovan Smith, with insane measurables, like 6'4", 220 in high school, is a good 110-meter hurdler and has stats that were literally like double the passing yards, double the touchdowns of like A&M's four-star commit that cycle. And he was like a 5.4, two-star on rivals. I was like, okay, yeah, they're just – 
and it changes with your yeah. perception as a program. Like Clemson 15 years ago probably isn't getting the benefit of the doubt to the extent they are now on the recruiting trail. But now Clemson is like considered blue blood. And so it, it'll all change if you start winning. You'll have better prospects interested in coming here and you'll get those ratings bumped that makes it look like you've got better prospects, even if they're the same kid you were recruiting three years prior. Now they're getting four stars instead of three. So it's a little bit of a chicken and egg kind of deal, Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it matters for your program perception, everything. If you are able to land a five-star, he'd be the first five-star in program history, not just under Joey's watch, but ever. And that would like kind of send some pretty big shockwaves, I think, in the recruiting scene. Yeah. All right, anything else on football recruiting or football or basketball? Because I think our final subject tonight will be the baseball series against ACU. Um, if you get accused of a recruiting violation, call our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. I don't actually know if dropping the bag for a 17-year-old is uh, – for a 17-year-old prospect is part of their repertoire as a, as a law firm, but – they hope you never need them. They're in your corner. If you do, three double Texas Tech grads. They handle all sorts of uh, criminal defense, catastrophic injury, Title IX student litigation, you name it. Barnett, Howard, and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. And, yeah, I think the ACU series is the last on my radar and then the mailbag. Uh, do you want to mention quickly West Virginia baseball? Um you put out a tweet from, uh, I think, Coach Maisie's wife, maybe, <laughs> or daughter. Uh, you quote tweeted their, the video of the crowd in West Virginia. Incredible midweek crowd. They've got a top 25 RPI, and they just hammered Pitt. Uh, West Virginia, we talked about them early in the year as a pretty good team with a really good pitcher, and one really good position player, J.J. Weatherholt. Probably the Big 12 player of the year. If things hold and West Virginia wins the Big 12. If Texas Tech somehow comes back, I think Gavin Cash still has a shot. But right now, J.J. Weatherholt, Big 12 player of the year. Uh, that is a special season coming down the pike. And we also mentioned, hey, you know, Texas Tech playing the four toughest teams, their first four series. No. Kansas State's pretty good, and now you have to play a road series against West Virginia. I think this season has not turned out how Texas Tech envisioned it, and it has exceeded expectations there in Morgantown. Yeah, I don't know how many they've won in a row at this point. I think they have back-to-back -back weekend sweeps, and they've beaten two of their biggest rivals, Pitt, their biggest rival, and Penn State last week in the midweek. So that's at least eight in a row, but if they want some midweek – or Big 12 games before that, they might be at 9, 10 plus in a row. So you're going to be running into an absolute buzzsaw when you go to Morgantown. That's always been a tough place to play as is just due to the travel. And they've always, yeah, just been good enough to kind of be like a thorn in your side and like they're not going to go down easy. They'll win that series from time to time. But they might be the best team in the Big 12. But, um, we put out a, an offseason list, I think last week, highlighting every – Big 12 baseball programs crown jewel. And through that research, I learned that they've never hosted a regional. I don't think they've ever been to a super regional, but if they host in Morgantown, that alone would be amazing for that program. And I think they'd have a good shot to win it. And if they go to a super, I mean, that would just be electric for that. Like the people in Morgantown, we, we've not ever been there. We know that they know how to party. And if they get to host a regional, that, their home atmosphere is electric. So that's something I don't know. I hope we're not in the position where we have to adopt a big 12 baseball team for the NCAA tournament. Like we did during basketball season, <laughs> but uh, that would be a tempting one. We already have the merch. Uh, we love their fan base and I feel like they're going to be really good in the postseason. So they're having a great year. Yeah. And if it's uh, maybe for a super regional and not a regional, I would be more okay with that, but. We'll see. It's been since 2015. Texas Tech has not made the tournament. Uh, you are in danger. And a lot of people upset that you're playing this game against ACU where you're coming to the fourth inning down six. And I've got some thoughts. First off, be a man. 
All right. When you're challenged, when you're down, when you see adversity, be a man and complete the challenge. Do not skirt games. We have said this year after year in the RPI era where other teams are canceling games because they're scared. That is not Tim Tadlock. That is not Texas Tech. And last week in the episode, I said if they play the game and I see the comments, they're not going to play that game. No chance they play that game. And I said, uh, mm, I think they will. Because Tim Tadlock does not care about the RPI. And I don't want to come into the uh, it's purest, the, the respect of the game, but I think it's a lot of that. You don't just quit because you're down six and it might hurt your RPI. You go out and try to win every damn game. Sorry to my grandparents if they're listening. Shout out to I them. Agree. I set them up on YouTube today. I agree with you 100%. I'm actually a little bit disappointed that some of our fans wanted to scurry away from that. If you don't want to be down 6-0 to Abilene Christian, then don't get your ass handed to you through the first three innings of the game. Like, you are a baseball program, in my opinion, over the last decade, I think that probably there are 10 baseball programs out of 300-plus that would not trade places with you. Like, you're that good. You're in the top half of 1% of collegiate baseball programs. If you need help making the NCAA tournament to the extent that you're afraid to finish a game that you already started, that you already scheduled against Abilene Christian, I'm not knocking them, but like any kid who had the opportunity to play at Texas Tech or Abilene Christian would play at Texas Tech. If you need to run away from that game to maintain an RPI of 61 in hopes that you can backdoor yourself into the NCAA tournament, that is a loser mentality that you cannot allow to infect this program because this program is, it's not a losing program. You've been to see COVID was canceled. So you've been to eight of the last nine postseasons. You hosted what? Six of those. Um, five, six. Yeah. 14 you advanced. Super. You advanced out of the regional every year except last year in Statesboro and once at home. You've been to Omaha four times, three times, four times. Yeah, hosted five. Uh, you won, I think, three Big 12 championships, yes. maybe two. Like, I'm sorry, you're above this at this point. If you don't want to be on the bubble, don't blow an eighth-inning lead to Quad 4 New Mexico. Don't lose a home game to Quad 4 North Dakota State. Finish a team off on Sunday on any of the three opportunities in a row that you had, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Kansas State. That would have been sweep, sweep, series win. You got you went over in those three. Don't get swept in Austin. And I know Beckel was suspended. He's one guy on a team of dozens. Like You had your opportunities, and you had your opportunity to not be down 6-0 versus Abilene Christian. Had it not rained, you would have lost that game. Now I feel like you might actually have a chance because it's at your home stadium. You get a fresh start. But like enough with the whining that the RPI is unfair or trying to maneuver your way out of it. Win some games if you want to make the postseason. Yes, and we just talked about West Virginia. That's a big opportunity. Yeah. Go win. Go beat West Virginia. Yeah. Put the bat on your shoulder and go swing it with authority. And stand on the mound with some confidence and throw strikes. And don't be scared to play ACU because it might hurt your RPI. If you restart this game and you lose it, which you're obviously likely to lose it, you're starting 6-0. to zero. In the fourth, yeah. And let's say that on Selection Sunday, you're the first team out. Oh, you shouldn't have played that game again. No, 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 no. You shouldn't have lost to Quad 4 New Mexico. You shouldn't have lost at home to the worst team in the conference. You shouldn't have lost at home to North Dakota State. Don't and I know you don't know that Western Texas. Illinois is going to be RPI 700 when you schedule them. But you had your chances. You had your chances. And you, you blew it, apparently. I mean, you might still could make it. 
was like, quit crying and trying to maneuver. If you want to make the postseason, do what everybody else has to do. Line up and win enough games to get there. And guess what? All of that, the first 50 games of the season, you can flush down the toilet, go win enough games in Arlington, and don't even leave it to the committee. Nobody in this conference is too good for you to beat them on a neutral site. So even if your RPI is 85 going into the Big 12 tournament, if you want to make the NCAA, go win four games in Arlington. And quit crying about Abilene Christian. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, there's nothing else really to say there. Uh, You want to hit the Discord mailbag? Let's do it. The Diversified Lenders Discord mailbag brought to you by Diversified Lenders. Who uh, Cole has been out fishing in Mexico. Have you seen Cole's feed? I have not. It's all in Spanish. He's been on vacation in Mexico, and he refuses to tweet anything but Spanish. You and him need to have a conversation in Spanish next time he's on the uh, pod. Vamos a pescar. I, I, I didn't get that one. That means let's go fishing, or okay. we'll go fishing. Oh, mescar, okay. Vamos a pescar. I, uh, I can understand a lot of Spanish. Oh, Mario says, Kyle, you got me riled up in the Round Rock Pluckers right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. There's there's a lot of comments here. In the Okay, all right. If we play in Mexico, can we go back to the Matadors, but without the Viva, of course? Would love that. I'd, I'd be all for it, man, if you want to wear. love that. And by the way, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast, but we might have grown some listeners since then. This was one of the coolest moments, in my opinion, of doing this podcast with you. We had a gentleman on Twitter. He found either his dad's or his granddad's La Ventana yearbook, which that means the window, by the way, in Spanish. And before the Saddle Tramps, which I think were formed in like 1936, there was a group in 1931, 1932 called Los Gauchos, and they were the spirit organization on campus so i'm all in on anything mexico themed spanish theme like that is part of your heritage as a school it's part of your identity as a school call us los matadors bring out los gauchos um dude go all in if you get picked to play in mexico city because you're the perfect school for it uh start bench cut the toppings of a blt they're in order Bacon, lettuce, tomato? Yep. I would go bacon, tomato, lettuce. And I might start tomato if it's uh, off the vine and heirloom. You should start calling BLTs, BTLs as a bit. I don't do bits. Me neither. (laughs) Oh, man, I love bits. My uncle says, shh, God's playing when Santana is on. Who is the guitarist musician who makes you say this or something similar? And they say you can't say John Mayer. <laughs> um, I think you said this, but Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix, I've always kind of viewed as in a league of their own in a lot of ways. What's your favorite Stevie Ray Vaughan song? Texas Flood. Great. Um, the... Stevie Ray Vaughan cover of Voodoo Child, which is a Jimi Hendrix song, is so good. So good. Pride and Joy. That's a good Cold one. Cold Shot. Yeah. Mustang Sally. I also said Brad Paisley as kind of a bit, and uh, they did not like that. Brad Paisley can shred, man. I don't care. I don't care what y'all say. Is he a West Virginia guy? He is. Yeah. Okay. Should get him on the pod when we're West Virginia baseball fans. Uh, yeah, that makes me like him more because I'm a big West Virginia fan. Um, is there a more iconic sound in sports than a puck off the post? Crack of the bat. Oh, yeah, the crack Club of the, the bat. Mitt. Oh, yeah. crack of the bat twice today with Josh Young. Rookie of the month in April. And had two home, two home runs today. It's his second game this year with two home runs. 
He's up to nine. Sounds right. And he's batting. I mean, so the strikeouts are kind of a problem, but I think his average is now like 280 ish. He's second in rookies in batting average. 20 plus RBI. First in RBI, first in something else, second in OPS. I mean, he is having a season. And he can still play defense. He had a highlight uh, kind of dive and play, I think, going to his left and then threw it and beat the runner by half a step. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a dude, which we knew that, but it's good to see him healthy and showing everybody else what we already knew. Sorry, trying to get down to uh, build your dream breakfast burrito. Oh, my dream breakfast burrito. Give me just a little bit of brisket, some bacon. Ooh, both. Egg and cheese, and then a little bit of grilled onions, a little bit of grilled jalapenos. Ooh. Oh, and and like some uh, like chopped up hash brown, like fried potatoes, but like kind of oh yeah, small pieces. Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. My dream breakfast burrito is from Lone Wolf. It's dead now. The country burrito. Did you ever have a country burrito? I never went to Lone Wolf. It's uh, it's a basically a sausage, egg, and cheese and potato breakfast burrito with cream gravy in it. There you so go. It's like a biscuit and gravy burrito. Yeah, I like that. And that was not like, a, hey, let's go get a burrito on Tuesday morning. That was a like a Saturday night, Sunday morning kind of thing. Soak up all your troubles. Yeah. Of course, not while I, I mean, not any kind of bad troubles that no. being an LCU student, but did you ever go to brunch at crickets? No, we didn't really do the crickets Broadway scene. We went there once for brunch after being there the night before. And I was like, this has to be the only place that you can leave at 2 a.m. Go back. And come back at 9 a.m. and eat brunch. <laughs> Never being at Lone Wolf is super on brand for Mr. Jacobson. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I I would have gone had I been a a shack, you know, because it was right there. But yeah, I don't know. My circle at Tech, you know, that they would go to Josie's, which is kind of like the Tech campus version of Lone Wolf. Did you ever go to JC's Burritos? I don't think so. They had a. It's not JC's Burrito. I think it's like Lily's Place now down on Nineteenth. It's West Nineteenth though. Um, mm. But they have a Bob Knight burrito, which would be its brisket too. Ooh. My current favorite breakfast, now they do tacos, but is the Bigham's breakfast or pork belly. Pork belly and a fried egg. Do you like, these aren't breakfast tacos, but uh, Big E's. Oh, yeah. You'd usually set up in the depot. Again, if you eat that at the first of the night, it's not incredible. But at the end of the night, it's the spot. Yeah. Certainly got, and I think it just got better through the night. I don't think anything uh, else was going on with that. You, know, you want to get some biggies? Uh, maybe September seventh. Yeah, we should probably be down in the depot if uh, if Rahino doesn't bring the food truck out there. Of course, well, I think uh, I think I'd rather have Rahino. Nothing against biggies that that uh, is very nostalgic to me, but. How about this? Assuming Rahino doesn't stay out there till 2 a.m., we can have Rahino to start the night and then right. Big E's at the end. Um, let's see. This was brought up on the now-defunct Rob Bro Show last week, but if you could have only one home and one away look for Texas Tech football, what would they be? Now-defunct but under construction. That's true. Returning May 8th. Okay, only one home and only one away look. I'm torn. I'm going to give you two answers because they go together in pairs. Probably my favorite away uniform is black, white, black. So if you did that away with a red top at home, you could keep the same pants, same helmet for every single game, and it'd just be a matter of red or white on top. I also really like the black, black, gray throwbacks. Yes. So I'd be fine with that at home and then black, white, gray or black, white, black on the road. Either way, you wouldn't have to switch it up much at all. Um, so depending on which pair you like better, those would be my two options. 
on the show, I said, I just want one road uniform. I want to wear black, white, black on the road every game. And if you want to change it up at home, if you want to do a blackout, if you want to do a red out, if you want to do celebrate cotton and wear a white helmet, whatever it is, that's fine. Uh, though I'm a huge black helmet guy. I would like to have black helmets every week, but you could do all that. But I would like one road look. And if you want to mix it up at home, by all means. I love the black, red, black. I think the the helmet is my biggest gripe. Yeah. Like if you wore a black helmet with a red double T, that could go with any combo of top and pants that you want. Yes, and it you looks black, like Texas white, Tech. You can go black, red, white. You could go all black. But it's when you start going red helmet or white helmet or gray helmet where I'm like, okay, you're losing me a little bit here. Yes. We're not Auburn, Tubby. Tommy. Tommy Tubby. Uh, start bench cut these Big 12 Mexico beer sponsors. Corona, Dos Equis, Pacifico, Modelo. Starting Dos Equis. I'm probably benching Pacifico, processing Modelo, and cutting Corona. Although the last two are kind of close for me. I would start. I might, I might process Corona, cut Modelo. I would cut Corona. I would start Tecate and bench Modelo. Yeah. Big Tecate guy. I like Modelo. This stubby bottle. Looks like me. Short and wide. All right. What uh? What else? Final thoughts? Mm. Do we miss anything? No. Viva Mexico. Viva la raza. Orale. <laughs> there you go. La viva la raza. Wow. That's really good, man. Yeah, I got you. Do you know what that's from? No. In the early WCW wrestling era they had the nwo they started the brand wars between the wwf and the wcw the monday night war yeah oh uh, yeah latino heat eddie guerrero Mar- mario knows so you had the nwo and then you had the wolf pack and then you had the lwo the latino world order and conan would come out to the ring and say orale la viva la raza Long live the people. So that's what it was. Conan did it first, I believe. And then uh, Eddie Guerrero as well. Legends, man. Legends of the game. The the LWO. I think that's a good note to end this one on. All right. <laughs> how do you say love y'all plural? I know Te Amo, but how do you? Te Amos? No. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's like I think that translates to something like you love you. Teamos? No. You can't just what add is, an S to make it plural. No, but what, uh, we Los, los Amo. Los amo. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, quiero los todo. That means I want all of you. Or I guess quiero can also mean I love. It's like a different I love you all. There's also encanta. Los There's todos. multiple words for love. Maybe I should be quiet before I use the word love out of context here but we do love y'all